0: This is the Guardian.
1: So I turned up at the Monaco Yacht Show at the end of September. I did not take up the the organizers offer on their website of getting a private jet transfer or a helicopter transfer. I got to train down.
2: That's The Guardian's Europe environment correspondent, Ajit Naranjan. In late September, he found himself taking on an unusual assignment.
1: I guess I've just never been surrounded by that many rich people before. Like, super, super rich. And all of the kind of little trappings of wealth that you might imagine, like with champagne going around, everyone's like in, I want to say fancy outfits, which probably doesn't really do it justice.
2: Why was Adjit visiting this ultra-fancy yacht show in Monaco?
1: The first thing I wanted to see was how well this industry is actually doing at going green. But the second reason I was there was to meet people who have very high emissions, who have lifestyles that result in spewing large amounts of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and heating the planet.
2: According to new research from Oxfam, the richest 1% of the population produces as much carbon pollution in one year as the 5 billion people who make up the poorest two thirds. And there are two things the super rich have that the rest of us can only dream of.
1: When researchers try to study the carbon footprints of like 20 rich billionaires, They found that yachts were the single biggest contributor ahead of their private jets.
2: This week, The Guardian is investigating the Great Carbon Divide, looking at carbon inequality and who's most responsible for the emissions driving the escalating climate crisis. So today, we're zooming in on the luxury transport habits of the super-rich and asking… What price are we all paying for the jet-set lifestyle of the polluter elite? From The Guardian, I'm Madeline Finlay, and this is Science Weekly. Rupert Neat, you're The Guardian's wealth correspondent. Now, when we talk about the 1% That includes billionaires, millionaires, and actually anyone paid more than 140,000 US dollars. But the super rich is an even more elite category. That's more like the 0.1%. So how rich are they? How wealthy are we talking here?
0: Good question. I don't know if there's a number that makes someone super rich, but you sort of get the idea if you know someone who's super rich, it's like more money than you can imagine. And people are staggeringly wealthy. Elon Musk is the world's richest person, and he's got $225 billion, which works out at £180 billion. Pounds. That's more than the GDP of Greece or Hungary.
2: Okay, so this is. these are the big bucks.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is like the richest. The rich people now are the richest they've ever been. And they're also the richest they've ever been in comparative terms. Um, so the last time the, the rich were this much richer than average people like me and you, I assume, uh, <laughs> was during the Gilded Age, like 100 years ago. Mm. Um, and they've got staggeringly more rich recently. The pandemic was super good for already super rich people.
2: Rich people now, they don't build castles and have golden lions outside. (laughs) But one thing that they do love is private jets. Do we know who some of the users of private jets would be and what kind of journeys they might be taking with their private jets?
0: Yes. Uh, Well, Elon Musk has one. And do you remember there's this teenager in America who's created this thing to track him everywhere he goes? And that got Musk really angry because he says, you know, it's breaching his privacy and he could be a risk to his safety. But most of the super rich people have their own private jet. And then the sort of lower tier people, there are sort of shared private jets where you like buy a fractional share and you can use it whenever you want And in terms of where they fly, a lot of this is in America, and obviously New York, London is a popular route, but one of the most popular is London to Nice, because that's going down to the south of France, where lots of them have their holiday homes all along the Côte d'Azur.
2: And I mean, maybe this is just me, but I've got the impression that private jets are getting more popular
0: Yeah, private jet sales are expected to be the highest they've ever been this year. Um, They've more than doubled in the last two decades. And there were 5.3 million private flights last year.
2: You know, one thing that I found quite surprising was I was reading about... How football teams now often take private jets to get to their matches, and these flights can be really short. you know you're going from one British city to another, yeah. and is that typical for for private jets that people are sort of hopping these minute distances?
0: Yeah, well, the football teams would say that it's a safer way of getting there, and you know the players would be fresher than going in a like four hour coach journey. But, you know, some of these celebrities have been known to take like really tiny flights. Kylie Jenner faced a wave of criticism last year when she took a flight that lasted just 17 minutes. The rapper Jake took an 18-minute flight in Canada. Mark Wahlberg took a 20-minute flight from Dublin to County Clare. And it's not really uh, exceptional. There's quite often these really short flights when you could have, you know, driven there in like an hour or two.
2: And these kinds of short trips, about 20 minutes long, will typically produce the same amount of carbon as the average person globally emits in three months. According to research from Greenpeace, European private jets emitted a total of 5.3 million tonnes of CO2 between 2020 and 2023, Of course, private jets aren't the only luxury transport the ultra-wealthy enjoy indulging in. There's also super yachts.
0: The amount you can spend is as much as you could sort of imagine. 400 million is probably around the top end of the super yacht market, but it can go up further from there to like, you know six, eight hundred million. And then it sort of depends how you're going to furnish it. I mean, I went round some of these and it's all like marble this, gold plated that. And it's sort of crazy how much money you can spend on these things.
2: I would guess a part of this is about showing off your wealth, showing off how much money you've got, you know, who's got the bigger boat in the harbour. So are these yachts getting increasingly sort of huge and extravagant?
0: Yeah, they're getting so big that they they don't fit. So there is this annual super yacht show in Monaco in the south of France. And that is where billionaires take their yachts to show them off. And that's where the brokers like buy and sell them. But now the biggest ones are so big that they don't fit in the harbour. Um, so if you want to go and see those, you have to go on like a smaller boat out into the sea to go and look at these giant boats because they're that big. And like... Some of them are so big they don't fit through canals and it's sort of, can they get any bigger and does anyone really need one that's that big? Um, When I went on a tour of some of these super yachts, it was, you know, it was quite a nice day out, Um, but one of them had a squash court in it, you know, it was that big.
2: And if you had, you know, a couple of billion to spare, do you think you'd be tempted when you were in Monaco? Were you thinking, I could, I could play squash on the ocean?
0: (laughs) To be honest, I didn't really like them. I mean, it's really interesting to look around them and they are super plush and, you know, they have several swimming pools in them and they've got cinema this and that. But I don't know, I think if I was going to get a boat, I'd like to have a sailing boat and actually really be on the water and experience it and get, like, you know, some sea spray in my hair. And I think you're on these giant boats. You sort of forget you're even on the ocean.
2: Rupert might prefer feeling the wind in his hair, but the market for superyachts isn't going anywhere, which is why Ajit Naranjan found himself at the Monaco Yacht Show this year, not the usual stomping ground for a Guardian environment reporter.
1: There was just a tonne of people dressed much more fancily than I was. Uh, I think jeans and trainers was perhaps not the best attire for that event.
2: Ajit, I think some of us might have had moments of lusting after these super yachts, you know, dreaming what it would be like being served champagne next to a pool that's floating on the Adriatic Sea. But there is a huge cost to this, isn't there?
1: Yeah. Like, there are no reliable estimates of how much carbon the world's 6,000 super yachts are pumping into the atmosphere. But when researchers try to study the carbon footprints of, like, 20 rich billionaires, they found that yachts were the single biggest contributor ahead of their private jets. So, I mean, it's not just the emissions from kind of building it, from burning large amounts of diesel to make these gigantic boats move from one part of the world to another. But on top of that, when you're on a boat, you also need to desalinate the water. And so even when these boats are in docks, when they're not actually being used, for the richest people, their crew live on board pretty much all year round. And so there's just huge amounts of energy being consumed at every stage of the process.
2: And just to emphasise that point, studies have looked at this and found that super yachts, even on standby, generate about 7,000 tonnes of CO2 a year, which is about the same as 1,000 Brits a year. But, you know, saying that, there aren't that many billionaires and they don't have that many boats... So how much does this really matter in the bigger picture of climate emissions?
1: So it's a very fair point. Overall, the yacht industry is just a tiny fraction of the shipping industry. But this is where kind of the difficult questions come in because it's a very, very tiny number of people using these yachts and they're almost exclusively for pleasure. Like there are definitely some that are used for like research purposes and other things. But on the whole, these are like playthings of super rich people. And so when you think about all of the things that society will have to compromise on in order to cut planet heating pollution down to levels that yeah will stop the kind of world from baking, then the question of how much any individual person kind of morally has the right to pollute is a super fraught one like there's so many complications to it i 'm not saying it's an easy answer at all like do you consider historical emissions? Do you give everyone from now on an equal right to pollute do we let People in poorer countries pollute more because they haven't had the right to develop historically the same way that people in the UK or Germany or the US have. But all of those questions, all of that nuance, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of hard to take it too seriously when you're surrounded by like gigantic boats.
2: What did the people there you spoke to say about the climate and carbon? What What were their thoughts on that? Is it something they considered at all?
1: So, I spoke to maybe like 50 people when I was there at the yacht show. Of the people who either owned yachts or were buying yachts, most people just didn't care about the climate. Like I had people just say straight up, like, no, I do not think about this at all. Full stop. A couple of people were like, yeah, I'm starting to think about it more, but it doesn't affect my decisions on whether to buy a yacht or whether to charter one or anything. But then what was super interesting was that I spoke to loads of people who said they cared about the climate, said that sustainability was important to them, and justified their decisions with arguments that I was really familiar with because people in my own social circle use them. Things like, well, it's like not great, but it's not the biggest problem, is it? Or like, maybe it's more about the companies who need to fix things, or governments need to get involved, or why should I stress too much when other people do way more? What was really funny to me was that I was there at this yacht show And people were pulling out the exact same (laughs) arguments there. People were saying things like, if Leonardo DiCaprio and Bill Gates don't stress about it, then why should I stress about it? Or somebody else saying like, well, I mean, yeah, of course, yachts aren't great for the planet, but does it really help to go after the individual person? Um, But yeah, there's this whole spectrum of different opinions. And what very few of them get down to is, can you justify the existence of this yacht at all? Given everything that's happening to the planet,
2: it's so interesting that you heard those kind of, I guess, the same excuses that we all make to ourselves about some of our choices around carbon, except, you know, on this much grander scale. But, you know, I am also interested about what's happening within the industry because I know that one of the themes at the Monaco Yacht Show was sustainability. So, Did you see this industry, you know, genuinely making an effort to take this seriously? Is there any innovation going on to actually try and reduce some of the carbon impact of these yachts?
1: Yeah, there definitely is. You can roughly boil down the solutions that they're using to green the industry into things that increase efficiency of kind of existing fossil fuel based yachts. And that will go some way, like there's many efficiency gains to be found that I think when you talk to engineers about this stuff, they do get very excited by it because you can just like change the design of a hull or an engine and you can shave kind of 10, 15% off the emissions. There are also a lot of innovations to kind of actually get rid of the fossil fuels in the first place. So, I mean, two of the big solutions are either electrifying the yachts or kind of using methanol as a fuel the problem you have with both cases is that big yachts are just so hard to move, and with electricity you suffer from the problem that you kind of need the batteries, and batteries are big. There are technological innovations, but if you're not also talking about reducing the size of yachts or I mean, having fewer of them altogether, these can only take you so far.
2: Ajit, going back to how we view our own choices around climate, I can imagine that for a lot of people, you know, seeing the super rich hop on their private jets or go on holiday on these huge yachts, that that can make them feel like, you know, what is the point of me not taking that flight or turning off the lights at home? And so do you think seeing this sort of glamorous lifestyle can... Give the rest of us a bit of an excuse not to cut down carbon ourselves.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, when celebrities like Kylie Jenner and Taylor Swift have been criticised heavily for flying super short distances in their private jets, a lot of the backlash has kind of focused around this idea that, hey, why am I making these efforts in my own life when they're just guzzling fossil fuels at a rate that I can't even imagine, But you also have people using the same private jet flights to justify much more polluting activities like flying on holiday every or multiple times a year. And I mean, I spoke to one uh, climate expert who made the point to me that like, okay, but put this in the global picture, right? What Kylie Jenner is to you is exactly what you are to people in many parts of the world, right? You are somebody else's Kylie Jenner from an emissions perspective that is. And I'm like, I'm going to really specifically talk about middle class people in rich countries because that's the people I grew up around. That's the demographic I'm now in. People in our bubbles often don't see themselves as being privileged or well off. We're looking at the people who are kind of billionaires or millionaires thinking that they've got all this influence with politics, which they do. They've got a disproportionate influence on the world. But we too have a disproportionate influence compared to people who earn less than us, who don't live in countries where they've got the same democratic rights. So one thing scientists keep stressing to me is that, like, yes, be aware of the inequalities, but just be aware of how much privilege and agency you do have.
2: Thanks to Ajit Naranjan and to Rupert Neat. And head to theguardian.com for more on the Great Carbon Divide, a Guardian investigation into who's the most responsible for the emissions that are driving the escalating climate crisis, and what to do about carbon inequality? And thanks to all the listeners who have sent us in ideas for future episodes. We've really enjoyed reading them. And if you have thoughts about what you'd like to hear, please do email us on scienceweekly@theguardian.com. And that's it for today. This episode was produced by me, Madeline Finley. It was sound designed by Mao Lazetto, and the executive producer is Bury. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then.
0: This is The Guardian.